0: Congregation, the scripture passage we are focusing on this morning is Psalm 34. In particular, verse 8, which is where the theme for the sermon comes from. The title about this psalm says of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. After the proclamation of God's word, we will voice our amen together with the words of Psalm 25, stanzas 5, 6, and 10. Psalm 25, 5, 6, and 10 after the sermon. Love, congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you ever wish that you could get as excited, for example, as the Apostle Paul is excited about the Lord Jesus? Paul writes in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And in a different verse in that same chapter, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So according to the Apostle Paul, there's no greater experience in life than to know the Lord and to know the saving power of Jesus Christ. And in Psalm 34, David expresses a similar joy. There he he tells us how he experienced the transforming power of God and how he learned to taste the goodness of the Lord. Now, like many of God's children, David had to learn this lesson the hard way. He learned this lesson when he was in deep trouble. The title above the psalm gives us the context of this experience. And we read that story from 1 Samuel 21. David had been hounded by King Saul. And his circumstances were so bad that he didn't see a way out anymore, so he made one of the most foolish decisions of his life. He fled to the Philistine territory, and he escaped to the city where Achish was king. I realize the title above Psalm 34 says, calls him Abimelech, but Abimelech is a title. It means my father, the king. Achish was his personal name. But David perhaps thought that you know, maybe he could be anonymous there free from Saul's relentless pursuit. But then he discovered that Achish's servants knew who he was. They recognized him. And they said, isn't this the man that, that the Israelites sing about, that he has killed his tens of thousands? And then David gets really scared. And he resorts to even more desperate measures. He pretends that he's insane. He scratches on the door like a madman and lets his spittle run down his beard. You really have to be at your wit's end to try something like that. But then the king says, don't, don't you think that I have enough madmen in my city? Get him out of here. So David escapes. Right? And he describes this experience. This poor man cried, and the Lord delivered him out of all of his troubles. Psalm 34, verse 6. And we can relate to this, can't we? We all have troubles of one kind or another, and maybe not. All the time, we're in the same intensity, but we all carry burdens of one sort or another, memories of our past that haunt us, fears of the future, doubts and uncertainties, plagued by our own sinfulness, perhaps living with guilt and shame. And we have financial and physical and family and emotional and spiritual and psychological troubles and burdens. We are all troubled people, no matter how we nicely we put on our makeup on Sunday morning and not our ties. We are all people who have trouble. And often, this trouble is of our own making, isn't it? We get desperate, we make hasty decisions, we think we can extricate ourselves out of a sticky situation by being very clever and resourceful. And then we fall flat on our face because we've made a foolish decision. And like David, we have to learn the hard way. But thanks be to God, our Father in heaven is a merciful and gracious God and Father. He is kind to foolish people like you and me and David. And that's the focus of this song. David writes about how he received God's undeserved mercy. He was as good as dead. And the Lord rescued him. How would he ever have gotten out of this mess if it had not been for the goodness of the Lord? It's no wonder he gets excited about knowing the Lord and about experiencing the goodness of the Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And the Holy Spirit is using the words of David in this song to teach us too. This psalm is an encouragement for us to have what David had, to taste what David tasted, to have the blessing that he received. It's as if David is calling out, taste, taste and see for yourselves. See it and experience it. There are many things in life that we cannot understand or feel or taste unless we experience them for ourselves. And this is true for knowing God too. You cannot taste the goodness of the Lord just by reading about it. It's something you have to experience for yourself. And we might ask the question then, well, well, how can we do that? I want what David had. I want what Paul had. I wish I could experience that more frequently or more intensely. In this psalm, then, we are taught how to have this experience psalm teaches us that if we are to taste that the Lord is good, there are two things that we must do. There are two two commands in this psalm that really stand out. Seek the Lord and fear the Lord. The first is seek the Lord. If you look at verse 8, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him, who seeks refuge in the Lord. The idea of seeking the Lord comes up in several verses. Verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Verse 5, those who look to him are radiant. Verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. Crying out to the Lord is a way of seeking the Lord. And verse 10, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And finally, verse 22, none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So, what is the psalmist saying here? He is teaching us that this is how you taste the goodness of the Lord by seeking the Lord. And how do you go about seeking the Lord and finding him? Well, in the first place, we will only find the Lord if we realize how much we need him. And the truth is that very often we don't seek the Lord until he humbles us. We often think of ourselves as self-sufficient. That's our instinct. We rely on our own resources. David thought he was making a smart move by fleeing to the city where Achish was king, but it didn't turn out that way at all, did it? But the Lord allowed this to happen to David and used this to bring David closer to him, to teach David a lesson, the kind of lesson that we all experience from time to time, namely that we cannot help ourselves. (coughs) God sends troubles and trials and difficulties into our lives to teach us that we cannot save ourselves. And sometimes God allows us to come to the end of our own resources, to to come to the end of ourselves, so to speak, so that we're forced to admit our own inabilities. And he brings us to the point of utter brokenness. But note what David discovered. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. Verse 18. And saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is near the brokenhearted, not the self sufficient. He is near those who are crushed in spirit, not near to those who boast in their own ingenuity. And so David acknowledges himself to be poor until you realize that you are broken beyond any ability to fix you will not cry out to God for salvation from your sin. As long as as we think that we are able to put our own life back together, we will not see ourselves as a poor man or a poor woman or a poor boy or girl crying out to God to save us. And so this truth should drive us to prayer. That God would open our eyes to our own brokenness, our own poverty, our own inability. So that this truth would drive us to the cross and beg God for mercy. If you want to find the Lord, if you wish to be found by him, then you need to knock on heaven's door. You need to cry out to God in prayer and, and call out until he answers you. And you might be wondering, does the Lord really hear us? Does he really answer us? And maybe maybe we've had this experience like David too. And maybe, maybe you're having this right now. I don't have what David had. How can I have this joy and this enthusiasm? How can I experience that God is good? Why, why don't I experience what David is singing about? Maybe, maybe, maybe some of us are sitting here thinking, I don't even know what David's talking about. How can he get so excited about knowing God? Why is the reading the Bible sometimes so boring? Well, congregation, we need to realize that the blessings of the Lord are not mechanically given to us. And this is not to say that blessing does not come by grace alone. Of course it does. But at the same time, we are called to seek the blessing of the Lord. Seek the Lord, says the psalmist. Look to him, cry out to him. This is what Jesus taught us when he said, Seek, knock, and ask. This is a call to ongoing asking and seeking and knocking. We are not to simply ask once, or to ask only where it is, what is familiar, or only to knock on doors that are open. Rather, we must ask and keep on asking and seek and keep on seeking and knock and keep on knocking until we find. That's what it means to believe. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us that this is faith. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So faith then, true faith, is a faith that responds to the inward working of God's grace in our lives. And it's diligent and persistent and tenacious. It believes that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And this means that we have to believe it. Because if we do not believe, then we will not seek If you don't believe that God exists, then how can you experience his presence? If you don't believe that the Lord is good, then how can you ever experience the forgiveness of your sins? We must first believe that God is real, that he is reachable. As the Apostle Paul writes in Acts 17, that he is not far from each one of us. Believe that he wants you to connect with him. Believe that his promises are true. Believe that when you come to him, you will be received in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to believe before you will experience the blessing of knowing him. You have to believe before you will taste the goodness of the Lord. You will never experience his goodness if you don't believe that he is good. You will never experience the joy of faith if you don't believe that He forgives your sins. And if if you don't believe that you can find Him, then you won't taste His nearness either. And so if we stop reading the Bible and if we stop praying, then our expectations will be met. And God will feel far from us. Instead, Brothers and sisters, young people of the church, we have to believe the promises of the gospel. Believe in the salvation that is offered to you by your Father in heaven, the salvation that is granted to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. When you believe it, you will taste the goodness of the Lord. David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Try it for yourself, is what he's saying. Believe it. Go to God in prayer. Knock on heaven's door. Cry out to God. Get on your knees and seek the mercy of God in good days and bad days. And as the Lord Jesus told his disciples, and your Father who is in heaven will give you all good things that you need because you ask it of him. And then you will taste and see how good he is and how kind he is and how much grace he has and how powerful he is if you trust in Him, if you rely on Him, if you expect His protection, if you believe in His goodness and His grace and His mercy, then the Bible cannot be a boring book. And going to church can never be dull or dreary. The Holy Spirit clearly teaches us with this psalm that if this is how you know the Lord, if this is how you believe in Him, You will experience the blessing of finding your refuge in Him. You will taste and see that the Lord is good. And you will also find that it is a joy to fear Him. And that's the second command we find in this psalm. Verse 9 O fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear have no lack. And that's repeated in verse 11 I will teach you to fear the Lord. That's a common expression in the Bible fear of the Lord. And doesn't mean that we should be afraid of God the way David was afraid of Saul or afraid of Achish. In the context of fearing the Lord, fear means to have a a deep sense of reverence for the Lord. A heartfelt respect. A reverence and respect that is rooted in love for the Lord. And out of this kind of fear comes a desire to also then honor and Obey the Lord. Notice how the psalm switches tone in verse 11. Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. David had learned his lesson, and now he's sharing what he learned. He shows us how the fear of the Lord is a a prerequisite, a prerequisite to taste the goodness of the Lord. You see, God's goodness is not just for anyone David has experienced it, and he's urging others to taste it too. But God's goodness is directed only toward those who fear him. And in the verses following, verse 11, David characterizes what this fear looks like in the life of one who believes and trusts in the Lord. He teaches that the fear of the Lord is demonstrated in practical ways. And it's very instructive and interesting that in verse 13, David brings up the matter of deceit. Being deceptive seems to, be, seems to have been one of his characteristics in, in the way he dealt with people. Think, for example, of how he asked Jonathan, the son of Saul, to lie to Saul about his absence at Saul's dinner table. 1 Samuel chapter 20. He also lied to Ahimelech the priest about the purpose of his visit. You find that in 1 Samuel 22, and that resulted in the death of of others. He tried to deceive the people of Gath about his identity. How could he then speak of putting aside deceit? Doesn't that seem rather hypocritical of him? Well, again, David is teaching us as one who has learned this truth the hard way. He is telling us that when he feared Achish more than God, he was more concerned with himself than he was in trusting the Lord. Fearing God involves acting consistently with God's character and God's commands. And so what we have here in in the words of David is a practical outworking of the two sides of God's covenant, his care for us and our obligation to follow his decrees. We have God's promises and we are called We can even appeal to those promises. We rely on them and believe them. But at the same time, we are commanded out of our fear for him to obey his commandments. We are to commit ourselves to fear the Lord and to walk in obedience, to trust and obey. And so we must hold on to God's promises while living in obedience. And so this... Psalm certainly gives room for reflection and self-examination. Do you experience that the Lord is good? Or do you lack that experience? Are you seeking the Lord the way David teaches us to seek the Lord? Or are we perhaps caught up in being deceitful? The example that David uses. If we do not turn away from evil, that usually means that it goes hand in hand with not praying. Because not praying goes hand in hand with not seeking. And scripture clearly teaches that blessing comes through prayer. Jesus says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And we confess, for example, in Lord's Day 45, that God grants his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who... Ask him for these things and thank him for them. So if we never ask, then we shouldn't expect to receive. The psalmist says that those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. But then we must also seek him according to his will and not according to our expectations. And I'm sure that we all understand this. It's not complicated. But it does go against our nature, doesn't it? It takes faith to seek and to fear and to pray and to obey. But if you in humility and trust seek the Lord in prayer and fear the Lord in your day-to-day life, you will find what David found. You will find God's peace in your heart. You will experience the Lord's presence in your life and his help when you're in trouble. You will experience his power at work in your life and have the joy of faith, then you will taste and see that the Lord is good, even in very difficult situations. And along with the rest of Scripture, this psalm makes it clear that God's children will face many tough situations. Verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Lord doesn't promise us a trouble-free life, congregation. Instead, if you read through Scripture... And if you read what Jesus tells his disciples to, we ex- can expect a life of suffering. But at the same time, we are promised a life that is delivered out of this suffering. Verse 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Now when David is speaking about a righteous man, he's not referring to someone who never sins. But it refers to a humble sinner who trusts in God for the forgiveness of sins. A righteous person is one who looks to Christ. The Lord does not help those who think they can help themselves. But the Lord helps those who rely on him. Those who look to the Lord lack no good thing. Those who are weak and poor in spirit will find that God supplies what they need. And that's one of the great paradoxes of the Christian life, isn't it? These two truths seemingly cancel each other out, and yet they both remain true. We may suffer, yet we will not suffer any want. We may be afflicted, but we will lack no good thing. By fearing the Lord, we continue to taste and see that the Lord is good even in the midst of affliction. And brothers and sisters... This psalm, the Holy Spirit is using this psalm to make sure that we never forget this. That we believe this and that we remind ourselves of this. Trust in God and seek him as the sole source of your protection and provision. And let's accept David's challenge. Put this matter to the test. Because the only way to find out for yourself that the Lord is good is to put the matter to the test. And when you put your trust in him, you will not be disappointed. And you might ask, well, how can you be so sure? How can David be so sure? How could Paul be so sure about this? Well, it's because of what the Lord Jesus has accomplished for those who trust in him. Jesus trusted in his heavenly father. He never acted once as if he was self-sufficient. Even though he was almighty. He sought the Lord in prayer. He never claimed his rights, but he trusted in his Father to vindicate him. He sought the Lord. He feared the Lord. He prayed and he obeyed. And when he suffered, he tasted that the Lord is good. He was not spared affliction, but he was delivered through his afflictions. He was lifted out of his troubles And that is also what we can and must expect when we trust in the Lord. We read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and that passage tells us that since we have found the mercy of God in Jesus Christ, we do not have to lose heart. Instead, Paul writes, we renounce disgraceful and underhanded ways, we refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word, Instead, we live in the light of His Word. In Christ, we have received the surpassing power that belongs to God. And the result is, as Paul writes, that when we are afflicted in every way, we are not crushed. God does not crush us when He afflicts us. We are perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken. Christ was forsaken on the cross for our sake so that we might never be forsaken by our Father in heaven. And Paul writes, we might be struck down but not destroyed. When you are in Christ, you cannot be destroyed. And then verse 10, always carried in the body the death of Jesus so the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And of course it's true, the Lord Jesus was afflicted in a unique way. He was the sinless substitute for afflicted sinners like us. And he felt suffering more deeply than we ever will. But now he has sent his Holy Spirit so that we may know the goodness of God in fuller measure, more fully than David knew, because we know more than David. We have seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In Christ, God has revealed to us how good he really is. In Christ, we know that God is indeed good to those who fear him. And so we can have the Lord's blessing in our life, just like David did. We can have what David had and what Paul had. When we turn to God in humility, when we trust him, when we truly believe that our sins are forgiven for the sake of Christ's sacrifice, then how can we say that we still don't taste and see that the Lord is good? Then we experience his goodness. Brothers and sisters, young people of the church too, boys and girls, let us, may this psalm encourage us to seek the Lord and to fear him. So that his goodness flows into our lives and that we experience that. So that we would taste and see that the Lord is truly good. Amen.